Robins at the Gate with Sky Sports and Five Lives Michelle Owen. Welcome along to Robins at the Gate with myself, Michelle Owen, and as always, Gregor McGregor. And it's nice to come into a podcast on the back of a win. Feels a couple of weeks or more since we did that. So, of course, we'll review Preston, who are no longer a bogey side. That's the good news. Who impressed you? Three players from Bristol City in the Skybet Championship Team of the Week, which is great to see. We'll preview Norwich. We'll also preview their FA Cup tie. Tricky one at Millwall. Uh, discuss more injuries. How can this be? Uh, Lee Johnson has been talking about his time at Bristol City as well on the coach's voice. And Steve Cottrell has been unwell, which we're very sorry to hear. So we'll mention that a little later. Greg, well, let's start on a positive note then. Preston, 2-0. Uh, what a relief, really, as well. Hadn't beaten them in 16 attempts. It had been a long time, going all the way back to 2013. Very much a bogey side and from what what I saw it was a deserved win yeah definitely uh, that was probably the best thing that it wasn't just the win it was the performance as well and it, it wasn't complete domination by any means but they were definitely the, the better side and deserved the win for my mind uh, speaking to Alex Neal after the game he his view was that it was reasonably close but that his side had dominated for half an hour after the break. And I think he is a little bit right there. They did dominate, but they didn't really create chances. I mean, Dan Bentley's only had one save to make the entire game. So we, we quite often talk about Bristol City's lack of shots on target. Well, it was good to be talking about the other side um, having that problem for once. So, yeah, really good display. So many positives. I guess we're going to talk about a lot of them now. And, uh, yeah, a lot to love. A lot to love. Um, let's start there with Zach Viner. Pushed into midfield. There was some talk that we threw at the back at the start of kickoff, which which looked likely, but no Zach Viner stepped into midfield. His stats speak for themselves, don't they? He he was fantastic. And we've watched him sort of ping balls from the back and step forward, really, for much of this season. And you can see he's got the ability. So to see him do it and apply it in midfield was a joy, wasn't it? Absolutely. And yeah, I actually spoke to him after the game. We asked him about him making the move into midfield and he obviously played that way, didn't he, for a little bit up at Aberdeen. So I was asking him if that was basically Derek McInnes's suggestion or, or his. And he was explaining that basically, just like now actually, that it's, <laughs> it's when loads of injuries have hit the club that he's been sort of ushered into that position and it's been suggested from the coaching staff. And that's exactly as it's panned out here really although saying that obviously uh, Dean Holden did have um, the possibility of playing Tyreek Backinson then mm. um, though and actually a little bit of credit to Holden there because I think I think this is a really important thing that when you bring through young players you rarely see them play the whole season and be very consistent with young players coming in they often have little patches um, spells of in and out of form and I think Dean Holden has recognised that maybe now is the time to withdraw back and send a little bit from the front line that's why he's gone with Zach in there and he played a little bit obviously the week before in the game uh, in the game against Portsmouth so he had that to, to lean on and yeah I mean he was magnificent he really was I thought his passing as you say was really, was really crisp he was pinging balls out to either side, he, he did that against Portsmouth when he, he played a lovely yeah. pass out to to Menyo on on the wing and started an attack, and he did that, carried on that here. But it's his work off the ball that I really like. He was 
he, he offers that physical element, doesn't he? He's just so quick into challenges. I remember watching him years ago playing for the under-23s, and I thought, this guy is an absolute beast. <laughs> when when you If you were playing against him, you would hate it because he flies into the tackle so quickly. Um, he's, he's strong, he's quick, he's, he's very physical. He did that on Saturday hauling Daniel Johnson to the ground. Yeah, I love that. I which, saw that, yeah. It was yeah. it was really impressive because you have to make the mark on the game, especially when you're playing that sort of whole midfield role. And also what, what sort of caught my eye about him being midfield was it is quite a rare talent, I suppose, to have that finesse with your passing and to be able to spray those passes almost, I, I'm not saying he's David Beckham, but Beckham-esque, you know, the way he can switch the play and ping it out wide, but have that physical element to his game as well. And it's a wonderful combination to have. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, he, he offers real promises. Obviously a guy from the academy, so that's fantastic too. He's having a real great breakthrough season, isn't he? And Yeah, I must say, I must say, he's always been a favourite of mine. I've always enjoyed watching him and, and thought he's got potential and He's made the championship team of the week, as two other players have that we'll come on to. But is that a role we could see him taking up against Norwich? I think so, yeah, absolutely. Why not? Because he's done so well there. I think they do need that presence in the middle there, as we say. Basically, someone to snuff out the likes of um, yeah, the, the attacking players you're going to come up against. And if you remember the Ashton Gate game, I just thought... Buendia and Puki just had so much time and space there and you need someone really getting in their faces all the time. That's what happened at the weekend and stopped basically Daniel Johnson doing too much damage. There was, I mean, it's tough to stop anyone for the full 90 minutes without man marking them, which doesn't really happen much these days. Yeah. And I remember, I remember Johnson did thread a couple of three balls in behind the, the City defence that Callis helped to snuff out at the weekend. But yeah, I certainly would expect Viner to play in there again. And I know Pookie was obviously missing at the weekend for them. I'm not sh- too sure if he's going to be back for, for Wednesday night's match um, or, or if Buendia will definitely play. But if they do, then yeah, Viner is, is what we need to maybe try and cancel those guys out. Yeah, Alfie Mawson back. I mean, we always knew it was going to be massive, but it, it's fantastic to see him and the team of, team of the week. And I just feel with Mawson and Callis, you know, I feel Dean Holden has come under uh, some scrutiny recently. He hasn't had his best players available. But also, the fitness of Maharaj Yuzhu is key here because there has been many fans rightly asking, where is Fan? Why is he not starting? And we knew he had that groin strain or, or tweak, didn't he? But now he's fit enough to start... And he's delivering. He was great against Portsmouth. And again, that, that header, just fantastic to get up, to want it, to have the hunger, to have the desire. And that is what Bristol City needs him to do. Absolutely. He's scored four of the last five goals at um, Ashton Gate now. So he's very and the other, much there. And the other game, he was sent off it. So he's, yeah. he's in form. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's, stuff is happening for him. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's... He's pivotal for their home performances and Fam's got so much power. He's got that upper body strength and he, he really is, uh, yeah, dominating in the air. And so, well, I just don't think he scores quite enough goals. Not Well, he probably should score a few more from set pieces. I remember him missing one very much like this one he scored right at the beginning of the season in the first game against Coventry. So it was great to see him net this one. It was a fantastic ball from Tommy Rowe to set him up. You'd be, well, you'd be devastated if you're the Preston boss and Alex Neal was because 
Um, basically, that ball is right in the middle. You want, you'd be expecting Ben Davis and Huntington to head that way. And Davis is a guy who's interested in Premier League sides. Mm. Um, so I was a little bit surprised that one of those guys didn't reach it first. I just wonder if Bristol City were basically capitalised there because obviously Preston were missing Declan Rudd and this was their first game for Daniel Everson in goal on loan from Leicester City and maybe being his first game in the first five minutes or eight minutes when the goal went in he maybe doesn't come off his line uh, as some other goalkeepers might do was maybe a little bit hesitant maybe a lack of communication lack of communication there but who cares because Bristol City make the most of it and fam scores and from then on yeah it was great to see City not sort of sink back they they really went for uh, more goals and, and they were really dominant mainly through um, Casey Palmer yeah Casey Palmer being back perhaps proved a revelation on Saturday because he's so unpredictable such a mercurial talent nothing happened to him at Swansea if we're brutally honest but to come back in it was almost like he had a, a point to prove he was he wasn't in sense that's not the right word but he wanted to make things happen didn't he and there was a bite to his game as well because there was a yellow for him yeah yeah you're spot on I I was looking back at it and, and looking at some of the stats as well, and he's actually not really had the best of games in terms of um, creating stuff. But he just—I I think it's more than that. I think it was his attitude, as yes. you say, yeah. just want, wanting the ball all the time, demanding the ball, and just being really positive, taking players on all the time, trying stuff. Okay, it didn't come off, but at least it was—he was trying stuff. You know, it was that front foot football of being positive and, and trying to make things happen that we, we haven't seen enough of this season, have we? It's been other times it's been too negative, too many safe sideways passes or backwards, not uh, not trying to take the take the team forward. But that's exactly what he did. And and maybe him doing that just created space for others. It's it's never a, a, obviously a, a one man thing, everything has a consequence and, and maybe yeah that just created well sucked in a couple of other players. Um and let's be honest, Palmer did have some effect because he drew a lot of fouls. I think I don't think there was anyone more fouled than, than him. Darnell Fisher committed four fouls down that flank. So so that was something. And yeah, he had a couple of shots. He went close, didn't he? He bypassed a couple of players in midfield at other times. His passing wasn't quite on point. And I, and I also thought he tired as well. I thought second half, he looked very, very leggy. It's the fitness, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. First, first start since 2nd of December, I believe. So... Yeah, maybe more to come from him, but certainly a, a good sign because I think we do need to see something from Palmer now. We're at that point. He, he was a fairly big money signing. He's on, I think he's on a decent wage, as, as you would expect with a player coming from Chelsea. So, yeah, want to see a bit more from him. Now's his chance because they've got the injuries there. Let, let's see how he grows from here. Yeah, and his replacement was Hamna Masengo. Uh, he's come in for a lot of stick recently, but he seems more at home perhaps in that sort of advanced midfield role yeah interesting one wasn't it he's, he's playing a slightly different role he played at Luton he played wide on the left and he certainly came in and started over there and yeah I thought he was excellent actually for his little cameo almost scored his first Bristol City goal as well um, that was a cracking little drive wasn't it low daisy cutter that almost caught out Everson and um, led to the corner so so, yeah, a lot of positive signs. He was, he's another one. And, um, yeah, a lot of young players developing very nicely this season. I, I, I mean, Bristol City are nicely placed. They're still in with a chance of the top six. But I don't think 
personally, they're going to make it. I just not too sure I can see who's going to drop out of the top six. But I do think that the future really is. I know we say this all the time, but <laughs> the future is the future is very bright for them because you look at all the young players involved at the moment. They're all they're all really enjoying breakthrough seasons uh, and developing fairly nicely. I think that will st- stand the club in good stead for the next seasons ahead. I think. The thing with the top six is it's starting to take a little bit of shape now, but always reluctant to say too much for the Championship because then one team puts around games together and your theory goes out of the window. But the Bristol City, they had a game on hand, on, but not on the teams they want to have the games in hand on, if you know what I mean, because it's Bournemouth. Uh, they've got 24, but Brentford have 22. Bristol City played 23, but they're five points behind at the moment. But there's a four-point gap now between Bristol City in ninth and Reading in sixth. Uh, Bristol City are one of three teams set on 36 points and always Stoke and Middlesbrough, and you'd expect them to push all the way as well. So I can, I can see where you're coming from about the top six. Just have to just have to keep hoping, really. That's all you can do at the moment. OK, we'll break there, and we'll look ahead to Norwich next. Robins at the gate. Silvercare are looking for people of all ages and backgrounds who care. This could be you or someone you know. Rated outstanding by CQC, Silvercare are a family-run care organisation supporting adults with learning disabilities within supported living and in the community across Bristol and South Gloucestershire. Full training is provided along with other career development opportunities and an ever-growing portfolio of staff perks focused on wellbeing. Get in touch today via our website or search Silvercare on Facebook. Robins at the Gate with Michelle Owen. Norwich coming up this week. Wow. Uh, 50 points already. They are two points better off, Gregor, than they were the season before last when they went up as champions. They looked imperious at times against Cardiff. They had a little bit of a wobble in the second half, though. And there were moments where Cardiff did trouble them. Physical side, though, Cardiff. Before that, they were in FA Cup action. They went past Coventry. They can get narrow wins as well. You maybe expect them to score more goals. It was a 1-0 win before, uh, before that against Barnsley. Their wins haven't been huge over the last six weeks, but they always get the job done. And I feel very pessimistic to say that even the most optimistic of Bristol City fans would be surely shocked if they went to Norwich on Wednesday evening and managed to get something from that six o'clock kickoff. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the only thing I would say is, and, and I mean, as you've alluded to there, Norwich do look pretty formidable. Uh, they were missing four or five players at the weekend, weren't they? Because they've they are they have been suffering a COVID outbreak over there as well. But they've sort of emerged out of that. And I know, well, I watched Daniel Farker's interview that he was really pleased with the way they'd managed to grab that win from the Cardiff City Stadium with them. Um, a certain Marlon Pack being sent off later on in the game in that one. And yeah, the only thing I can sort of point to in terms of maybe a positive for Bristol City is the way that they sort of finished the game at Ashton Gate against Norwich. I didn't actually feel there was a huge amount between the two teams later on in the game. Obviously, Bristol City started that game way too slowly and they were sort of cut to ribbons at times in the first half there with two, if you remember the defending was really cool wasn't it and Pookie had so many chances at, mm. uh, against Daniel Bentley and maybe yeah Pookie wasn't involved was he at the weekend so it's going to be very interesting if maybe if he wasn't playing that that might give City another chance as well so yeah if they can 
carry on the form that they that they showed at the end of that game. Remember, if Narky Wells had scored that penalty, it, would, it might have been a very different result. Um, and and obviously, with a bit of confidence gained from this performance, finally beating Preston, and also with with just like the likes of Alfie Mawson back. Remember, it's huge. She, it's absolutely yeah. huge, isn't it? I don't think we can underestimate the importance of someone like Alfie Mawson because that injury. I remember being at the game where it happened and I thought, oh, no, that's that's not good news. You know, although at the time, you know, you thought maybe a few could step in, but unfortunately for the likes of Taylor Moore, his form hasn't been quite there. And even though Zach Viner did a good job in, in central uh, defence, we've now seen him step into midfield because Morrison is back. And it means the likes of Tyreek Bakerton can have a rest. It, it just has such a knock-on effect having Alvin Morrison back. And his presence next to Callas is intimidating, isn't it? And... Having him back, how much of a boost is that for, for Dean Holden? Because he's had a tough time. Questions have been asked of Dean Holden recently. But what can you do when you haven't got your best players at your disposal? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there have been a few questions asked of Dean Holden, but I don't think it's too right to ask them. And you've got to factor in the injuries. Yeah. But going back to your first question on Mawson, mm. yeah. Absolutely huge. Um, I'd say he's probably, for me, the most important guy of all the long-term injuries to come back, in my opinion. And that's it's probably a close one between Vyman, obviously, who's sort of a, a vice-captain of the side, isn't he? And, and he's so energetic in the middle. But I'd maybe say Mawson has been the most important of those guys to return. And thankfully, they've got him back first out of everyone. And you're right, because I think that partnership with Callas is absolutely key. And just to lock things up, at the back because Bristol City have just given away too many chances this season. They, they're still up there as, the, as one of the teams that concede the most shots per game in the Championship. So that's not a healthy trend. No. We know that Dan Bentley is superb and he's been keeping a lot of stuff out, but he's, he regularly has to make pull off these big saves. It would be good to see him not have to do so much work occasionally. Mm. Um, so, yeah. It's a huge boost to getting back. I thought he was excellent at the weekend. Maybe gave the ball away a couple of times a little bit um, sloppily, but he was just outstanding in the in the aerial duels. Nobody won more uh, balls in the air than him in the game, and he he just yeah just adds so much to that defence. And that yeah that actually is a really good point that both him and Callas and Bentley Bentley being possibly the player of the season so far. That is a very tough three to get past and is going to mm. really, really give Norwich um, something to think about at Carroll Road. So that's what I'd be hanging my hat on in terms well, yeah. of Bristol City against something. <laughs> that's what we'll just, well, after, I think that's the positive note. We'll leave that one on. What about Millwall at the weekend? Because uh, FA Cup, in terms of priority, where's Dean Holden going to put this? Because the game after you look at it, it could be a winnable tie, I suppose, but it's not exactly a glamour tie. Yes, the prize money's helpful, but um, Millwall, the den is not what it was. Because when you went there, when the fans were there, so intimidating. And perhaps out of all the sides of the championship, their home form has been more affected than most because it was that horrible atmosphere to go to, let's be honest. But they haven't been imperious there. They haven't really been imperious at all. From a possible 45 points in the championship, they've only taken 11. They're a team not particularly in form, although they do love a draw. Um, No replays. So... (laughs) Could you be sitting there going to extra time on Saturday, Gregor? Well, yeah, it depends a little bit on the team selection. I mean, we we know that Dean Holden likes to not rotate if if he can. So 
expect changes to be minimal, even though it is cup competition. But I do think there'll be players that he wants to give some minutes to. And I would expect maybe the likes of Masengo. And we might have Semenyo back then. Not sure if he's going to be involved at Norwich just yet. So, yeah, a couple of guys there who might be involved. I think they'll have a they'll have a chance. They went there a couple of years ago to win. You're right. Millwall's home form is, is definitely nothing to shout about. Well, their form all round. I think their last win was against Bristol City even. And they've been, they've been sinking a little bit since then. Yeah. And, yeah, looking at their home form, I think they've only won. Am I right thinking they've only won one game at home this season? Yeah, you are. That's spot on. And that's quite shocking for a team you'd expect to perhaps have many, many more in, in the championship at the Den. Because, like I said, it, it's always been a horrible place to go, but just a solitary home win for them this season, which is just not something you'd associate with, with Millwall. So many draws in there as well, like I, like I said, Gregor, but I'm with you on this one. I'd be interested to see what sort of team Dean Holden puts out. Unfortunately, the injury list is still quite ex- extensive. We can get excited about some players being back, but there's still many more on the sidelines. What was your thoughts when it was revealed there were more injuries last week, including to Opie Edwards and, and players that, like campering, they just come back and got an injury. You can understand why fans are sat there scratching their heads and asking, "What mm. is going on?" Yeah, the, it's still a, an extensive injury list, and I, I think we might have said last week um, that basically they've got one of the, the longest injury lists in the division. Yeah, uh, still got a good. I worked out. We think. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, with they've got a good ten players out still. Yeah, as you say, Opie Edwards is he, he was clarified by Dean Holden last week. He's going to be out a long time with a thigh strain. But then, as you say, Cam Pring, he'd only been back from Portsmouth a few days, and he's picked up a, a nasty hamstring injury. I understand actually with him that it was while doing weights. I think it was maybe doing squats in the yeah. gym. Uh, so, yeah, it's really, really unfortunate and. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I, we spoke to Dean Holden about this last week. It was a big theme of the pre-Preston press conference, actually. And to be fair to Dean Holden, he did recognise that City have got, well, have suffered massively from injuries this season. They've got a problem there and they need to investigate. We discussed it at length last time. We did, we did. I don't want to lay into the medical team too much, but it's just a concern, although you've got to be asking questions. If someone's squatting and pulling my hamstring... You know, it's mm. it's it's not great, is it? Um, but we're not privy to, to all the reasons for that. So, yes, yeah, still an extensive injury list, unfortunately. We can't get away from that. I wanted to touch on Lee Johnson speaking in the coach's voice this week. Always an interesting read um, and always interesting to hear from Lee Johnson, who's doing quite well at something. They had a 3-0 win at the weekend and they looked impressive. It looks like many are saying since he's gone to Sunderland, the shackles um, are off and he's leading to play some good football there, which is almost the opposite of what happened at the end when he was at, at Bristol City. But this is, this is what he said. If you haven't read this already, he jumps on his time at Bristol City. I felt that the 2017-18 season was our best shot at promotion in my tenure. We ticked every box at championship level. We were quick, we were exciting. We were players who were a threat at set pieces. With everybody fit, I had good options to choose from. Um, yeah, looking back on that season, he's, he's probably right, isn't it? But uh, again, they faded away. Do you think he still uh, feels saddened by what happened? Because when I bumped into him, I think it was September at a game, he just said it feels like a breakup. But then 
he's I guess he's moved on, hasn't he? So um, what did you make of his comments? I guess he's pretty spot on. Yeah, I, I don't didn't have I I have read the piece and yeah, I thought it was very illuminating. It was good to hear his side of stuff and yeah, I don't have too much to, to pick at it about really. I thought one of the interesting things that caught my eye was just the, the line that he thought that they traded too much um, later on down the line after that 17-18 season that, yeah, where he, he believes they had the, the closest chance of being promoted. I thought that, that's, that was that's, the, that's the emphasis on trying to sell away to the, to, top, to the top though, isn't it? So maybe he disagreed with what the board wants. Yeah, I, yeah I, I mean... We should point out that he says in the piece as well that Mark Ashton is an excellent CEO and he got on really well with him. So I don't think there was too much uh, friction because a lot of fans might um, look at that and think that's the case. But I don't think there was genuinely too much friction behind the scenes at all. I think it was just maybe the admission that they got some decisions wrong, of which Lee Johnson was part of that. He, nobody comes in without him being involved in it and he would have been um, would have had a large say on sales as well. I'm not too sure that he wanted to lose Josh Brownhill um, at the end of uh, last season. Um, so, or the season before, I forget how long ago that was now. And But, um, well, obviously when Narky Wells signs. But, but yeah, I, I think that is maybe reference to that maybe, yeah, they did, they have maybe sold a few, too many of their best players. And it is all well and good bringing in the big money um, and selling your best players and then trading. Cause I think you do need to do that, unfortunately in the championship and we've seen other sides such as Brentford do that year on year, but there comes a point where if you do it too much, then it's difficult to keep integrating players into your culture, into how your club works and, and, and basically gain that cohesion. That's something he said himself. And I think maybe they just did a, a little bit too much. There, but yeah, as, as you say, seventeen eighteen season. I, th- I think he's probably right. They were so well placed, weren't they? I always remember that Wolves game. But that is the turning point, they... wasn't it? That well, yeah, yeah, it was incredible. Frank, yeah. Frank Fielding's red card and and um, yeah, the, the goal right at the end for and the whole season Bennett, changed who, from that point. Who headed it in? Yeah, and they had chances in that game as well. I remember. So yeah, you're right. The, the season did change then, and maybe that was the chance then. And finally, just a word about Steve Cottrell. Really sad news. We're recording this on Monday morning. We've just found out he's still in hospital. Um, they say he is recovering after a period in intensive care with COVID and he's going to be watching uh, the FA Cup game at Southampton from his hospital bed. Uh, assistant manager Aaron Wilbraham, of course, who we all know, um, is holding the reins at the moment. And Josh, it's, it just feels shocking, doesn't it? Like when you hear that, Steve Cottrell to us, very um, healthy, fit, middle-aged man, completely knocked down by COVID and still unwell, but by the sounds of it recovering and we just wish him well, don't we? Such a character and it's just so shocking when you hear that news about anyone. Absolutely. And it's quite scary in a way, but because like I, I met Steve Cotchell a couple of times in the summer. Uh, we, we did an interview with him and had a coffee with him and he looked fit as a fiddle then. I, I just... I know that he'll uh, that he's he's in such a, a great condition, but then you get something like this, and he, even someone like Steve is is knocked back by it. It's, it's quite scary in a way, but yeah, as you say, all the best to him. I, I think he's thankfully he's he's out of intensive care, so hopefully he's on the mend now, um, and we wish him all the best. And yeah, he, he's such a great character. He's doing fantastic stuff at Strawberry Town. Yeah, really, really is. Yeah. So. Um, 
we, yeah, we keep an eye out for him and, and, and hopefully he's back on the sidelines very, very soon. Absolutely. And yeah, wish for the best in Southampton tomorrow, which he'll be watching from his hospital bed. And just a reminder to us all, really, the seriousness of the situation. Hopefully we can get these vaccines done. They're being done at Ashton Gate. Did you see much of that on, on Saturday, Bregel? I didn't because obviously the, the, the football <laughs> is centre stage there and it's obviously quite well policed in times of what time you can arrive and everything and, and, and you kept into certain areas and herded um, away from everything. So, no, fantastic to see the stadium being used like that, um, but but not something we saw in action at the weekend. Yes, yeah, just hidden away down the south stand concourse, I believe. OK, well, let's keep on keeping on and give our very best to Steve to get well soon. And we'll be back then after the Norwich game and after the Millwall match to Gregor, as always, thank you for your time and a big thank you for listening. Robins at the Gate. Please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts.